0: I want to call your attention back to jonah we started a series several weeks ago on the minor prophets and uh, we said that uh, we're talking about major messages from the minor prophets i promise you we're not going to do what we have done with jonah with all of the other prophets we're only in the third book of of minor prophecy but I've spent four weeks, today will make four weeks on Jonah. Uh, but it's because Jonah's story is different from the other stories. Uh, we, we say this every time we gather because I never know who's here for the first time, so I just wanna be clear. Uh, the, the point is not to do an exegesis of all 12 of these books. The point is to raise up the relevant points that can be found from each of them. We started with Obadiah Uh, after Obadiah, uh, we did Joel and then we got to Jonah and, uh, Jonah is only four chapters in length, but it's an interesting four chapters. Uh, and one of the main points of interest is that Jonah does not really tell what the prophet is saying, uh, in a way, in a prophetic way other than he gives a, a message calling for repentance of the city of Nineveh the, the the book of Jonah is not about Jonah's message to a particular group it's about Jonah's relationship with God and i find that interesting particularly because it doesn't end the way that many of us uh, would like to think that all of these relationships end. Uh, God tells us something, we agree, we go on about our business. But in real life, God tells us stuff all the time that we don't necessarily agree with. God tells us things that that, that we are called upon to do, attitudes that we are uh, told that we should embrace and accept and make a part of who we are. And we may not be as brazen as Jonah, but really by our behavior and by our lack of compliance, it becomes clear that we're really not listening to what God has to say. Uh, in Jonah chapter 1, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach against the city uh, the city was one of the two capitals. Assyria uh, had two uh, capitals. They had what they called a winter capital and a summer capital. Uh, and, and Nineveh was the summer capital for uh, the nation of Assyria. And Jonah was told to go preach uh, a, a revival message, a repentance message to those people. Uh, and Jonah didn't want to do it because Jonah didn't want to see the people saved. Jonah wanted the people to be destroyed. And so uh, instead of just telling God flat out, no, I'm not going to do it, Jonah got up and uh, went in the opposite direction from where God told him to go. He gets on a boat headed toward Tarshish, and God sends a storm that causes uh, the, the ship uh, to be in danger of tearing apart and uh, uh, ultimately the crew comes to find out that Jonah's the one who's responsible for the storm. Uh, and, And Jonah says, well, throw me over into the sea and the storm will stop. And even though they did not want to do it, ultimately that was what they decided they had to do. In order to save themselves, they throw Jonah into the water. And that's the end of chapter one. In chapter 2, Jonah, in the water, is swallowed by a fish, and within the fish, he prays a prayer. Uh, But it is not the kind of prayer that you would think someone in that circumstance would be praying. What would you think they'd be praying? God, I'm sorry. God, I'm going to do whatever you say. Do God, get me out of this fish, and I will be obedient to everything that you tell me to do. That's not the prayer that Jonah prays. Jonah says to God, thank you for getting me out of the water— and i want to get out of the fish but i want to go back to jerusalem and i want to 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 go back to the temple in fact if you get me out of this fish i'll go back to jerusalem and i'll make all the sacrifices that you ever want me to make only one problem god didn't tell him to go to jerusalem god told him to go to nineveh so god causes the fish to regurgitate jonah onto the seashore and, 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 and when Jonah finds himself on the seashore, he finds himself back in front of Nineveh. And chapter 3 opens, the, the first two verses of chapter 3 of Jonah are exactly the same as the first two verses of chapter 1 of Jonah. That's where we were last week. Rise up, go and preach against the city of Nineveh, uh, because I have looked at their sin, and I will look at it no longer, and I want you to preach repentance. And so, reluctantly, because this isn't what Jonah wanted, reluctantly, Jonah gets up and does what God tells him to do. Nineveh is a rather large city. By most estimates, Nineveh, even at that time, was a larger city than Baton Rouge is right now. Baton Rouge is a city of anywhere from 280 to 400,000 people, depending upon whether you're talking about the city or the larger parish. The estimates were that Nineveh was a city of 600,000 people. And it took Jonah three days to go throughout the city preaching the revival message that he preached. But immediately upon hearing the revival message, the people responded. The city responded. And when we left you last week, the entire city had repented. The entire city had gone into mourning. And when I say the entire city, the king, all of his court, all of the people, all of the animals, everything, everyone, went into mourning. They, they took off their clothes and, and, and they put on burlap or, or in the King James Version, I believe it says sackcloth. And, and, and it didn't just stop with the people. They put sackcloth on the animals. The entire city repented before. Understand now, these were not people who were worshipers of Yahweh. These were not people who were worshipers of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In fact, these people were not only idol worshipers, but they were polytheistic idol worship. They, they worshiped more than one God. But when Jonah goes through the city with this message, revival takes place. The entire city, they abandon their idol worship. They abandon their culture. They go into mourning and they ask God to forgive them of their sin in the hope that God would spare them from destruction. And we left you last week saying, isn't it ironic that the heathen folk, listen to God, and the saved person, and I'm doing this in air quotes, the saved person, Jonah, didn't want to do what God had to say. And so that leads us into chapter four. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. You see that? He yelled at God. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew. You were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. Is that something that you would be mad at God about? I knew you were sheer grace and mercy. Do do you hear what he's saying? I knew who you were. I knew what kind of fellow you were. I knew what kind of God you were. I know you a good God. And I'm mad. Because you're going to share your goodness with folk that I don't want you to share your goodness with. Do I have any Jonas in the house? Do I have anybody in the God's sanctuary, who only wants God to be good to the folk that they want God to be good to. Me and mine. Do I have any people in the, in the house who, who only think that, that they're worth another chance? That, 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 that God should not give another chance to people that, that, that they don't like? It's okay. Just be honest with yourself. I'm I'm not saying it's okay to have that attitude. I'm just saying it's okay to be honest with yourself and acknowledge that that's the attitude that you have. Thank you, Sister Ames. I understand. (laughs) Thank you, Sister Ames. We have to be careful that, 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 that we don't think that the only people that matter are me and mine. I knew it, God, I knew you were gonna do this. That's why I didn't wanna come here in the first place. I knew you were gonna bless these people and I didn't want them to be blessed. I knew you were gonna save these folk and I didn't want them to be saved. I knew you were gonna do good to them because you were good and kind and loving God. I, it, it, it just sounds so strange that he's mad at God for being good. He's mad at God for being kind. Because God is showing kindness to folk that he doesn't want God to be kind to. You want to see how serious he is about it? Verse 3. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. This world ain't big enough to hold the two of us. One of us got to go. And if you ain't going to make it them, then you might as well go ahead and make it me. Can I tell you something about that? Number one, he doesn't mean it. This This is hyperbole. Because if he meant it, he'd just go throw himself off a cliff and be done with it. He doesn't say, God, if you won't kill them, I'll kill myself. He says, God, if you won't kill them, kill me. Well, the same God that was too good to destroy them is too good to destroy him. So this isn't Jonah really wanting to die. This is Jonah wanting to express to God just how upset he is with God because he has been kind to somebody else. You see that? Do I have any Jonas in the house? I, you, you, you're going to get that question over and over and over again tonight. D- do I have anybody in the house who, who 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 is adept at the use of hyperbole, exaggeration, overstating stuff just to get... God's Is anybody adept at throwing a tantrum? Because, because, <laughs> because that's what Jonah is doing now. He's he lost his temper. He was furious. He yelled at God. He's throwing a tantrum. He's throwing a fit. And he's saying, if you ain't going to kill them, I wish you'd just go ahead and kill me. God said, what do you have to be angry about? That's a very good question. It's a question that we need to ask. If you're angry, and if you're angry at God, question that you need to ask yourself tonight what do you have to be angry about how is I'm going to extrapolate the question how is my goodness to Nineveh hurtful to you how is it that if I bless them by blessing them Somehow or other, I'm taking from you. Jesus tells a parable about a man who has a field, and he hires some workers to go out and work in the field. At, 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 at the first light, 6 o'clock in the morning, he hires some people to go out and work in his field. And he says, if you work in my field, at the end of the day, I'll pay you a day's wages. It's important that you hear the language. I'll pay you a day's wages. And they say, okay, and they go into the field. At nine o'clock, the man comes back and he says, I don't have enough folk in the field. And he hires some more people. But when he hires this group of people, he doesn't say, I'm gonna pay you a day's wages. He says, I'll pay you what's fair. Mm -hmm. That's why it's important that you hear the language. He says, he says, go out into the field, join the others that are in the field, and at the end of the day, I'll pay you what's fair. He does the same thing at 12 o'clock. He does the same thing at three o'clock. He does the same thing at five o'clock in the afternoon. Remember now, quitting time is six, okay? At five o'clock in the afternoon, he hires some people, and he hires them with the same uh, uh, appeal. He says, go into the field, Work till the end of the day, and at the end of the day, I'll pay you what's fair. Six o'clock comes, quitting time. The bell rings, the horn sounds, however they, they know. It's quitting time. And all the people come to the master, and the master lines them up in reverse order of how they were hired. In other words, the ones who were hired last are first in line. The ones who were hired first are at the tail end of the line, and they're doing what we do. They're peeking over folks. To, to, to see what he's going to pay the folk that were hired at five o'clock. And they are shocked that at, 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 as they are receiving their pay, the master gives the five o'clock folk a full day's pay. And, and, and now they're excited because they say, well, now, if he paid them a full day's pay, and they only worked an hour. Then surely he's going to pay more to us who've been out here since six o'clock this morning. So, so all the five o'clock folk get their money, full day's pay, and they go about their business. And, and then here come the three o'clock folk, and the three o'clock folk get paid a full day's pay. Well, not now they. they well, Okay, but, but, but still, that's okay, because we worked 12 hours. These, these fellas only worked three hours, so. And then the 12 o'clock folk come and, and they get paid a full day's pay. And, 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 and they're saying, you know, that there, there, there's something wrong with this. You know, they, they worked half a day. I, I think, I think he should have paid. I think he should have paid them. Think about that. I think he should have paid them more than he paid them. But that's all right, because we still, we the six o'clock folk. And then the nine o'clock folk come and they get paid a full day's pay. And finally, the six o'clock folk come and they get paid a full day's pay. And they go from being happy to being mad. And, and they gather, you know how, how we huddle? They, they, they gather in a huddle, and they start grumbling against the master. And, 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 and what they're saying is what he's done is not fair. What he's done is not right. He's taken advantage of us. And the master gets wind of it, and he comes to them, and he asks them a couple of questions. He asks them, did I pay you anything less than what I told you I would pay you? And they said, no, you didn't, but, but, but that ain't the point. No, but the master says, no, that is the point. If you said I cheated you, which is what you're saying, you're in this huddle saying that you were cheated, but when I ask you specifically, did I give you anything less than what I told you I was going to give you, your answer is no, I did not. So where's the cheat? And then the next question that the master asks is, how is my blessing them? Hurting you. Now I went through that whole thing because that's what God is saying to Jonah. In this one question, what do you have to be angry about? God is asking Jonah the same question that Jesus poses in the parable. If I bless them, how is my blessing them hurting you? Some of us think that our blessing is somehow tied to somebody else's blessing. That, 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 that God is so limited. That God can't bless you like you want to be blessed if he's blessing somebody else. That's wrong-headed thinking. It comes from living in a capitalistic society. It comes from living in a society where, where, where everything is about exploitation and everything is about trying to get ahead of the other fellow. Yes, we are a part of a capitalistic society where... In many cases, the blessing of one person, it comes at the diminishment of another. But while that's true in capitalism, that ain't true with God. And so God asks the question, what do you have to be angry about? How did my waking them up this morning keep me from waking you up this morning? How did my starting them on their way keep me from starting you on your way? I put food on their table, but I put food on your table, too. I put clothes on their back, but I put clothes on your back, too. I put a roof over their head, but I I seem to recall you had a roof over your head. So, so how is it that my blessing of them diminishes you? What right do you have to be angry? Do I have any Jonas in the sanctuary? Do I have any Jonas in here who, who think that, that, that God shouldn't bless somebody else and certainly shouldn't bless them to the same extent that he's blessing me. As we keep on reading, we, we're gonna to get to Habakkuk uh, in a couple of weeks. And Habakkuk's question is, is, is worse than Jonah's. Habakkuk says, these folks don't even worship you. And you treating them better than you treat us. And I don't understand it. Why do you let the heathen rage And yet we who call your name, we who worship you, we who go to church every Sunday, we who scrape up our little offering and put it in the plate on Sunday morning. How how come they're blessed more than we are? Well, let me speculate for just a second. Let's start with this. None of it belongs to you in the first place. See, see the, 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 the right to be angry belongs to those who have some ownership. But if you ain't an owner, then you ain't got no right to be angry. And I'm absolutely sure that you ain't an owner. Because the Bible says so. The earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. You ain't an owner. Even if somebody named you Lord, you ain't the owner. The earth belongs to God. Everything in it belongs to him. So if it's his he ought to be able to do with what he is, what he wants. So, so first speculation is you ain't got no right to be angry because you don't own nothing. Second speculation is your attitude about them not having stems from the fact that you think you're better than other folk. And if you think you're better than other people, you've got a problem. You've got a spiritual problem that needs to be dealt with. Understand me. You may have more in the way of material things. You may have more in the way of, of uh, uh, spiritual gifts. The Bible says God gives gifts to people according to his will, and some people have more gifts than other folk. You may have more in the way of academic uh, uh, background and experience. You may have more in the way of any of the things that we measure more by in this world, but none of that makes you better than anybody else. Do you know what you are? I haven't told you all this in a while, so, so, so forgive me for insulting anybody. Do, do, do you know who you are? Do you know what you are? You are dust. You are dust. Y'all, y'all, y'all like the King James. Now, now, now the message version, which y'all don't particularly care for, calls y'all a little bit more than dust. Calls y'all clay. But, but, but y'all don't like the message version. Y'all like the King James version. And the King James version calls you dust. From dust you came. And to dust you shall. So, so, so I'll stand on your word for tonight. You are dust. If you have on a thousand dollar outfit, you are a thousand dollar piece of dust. If you have on Chanel number five, you are sweet smelling piece of dust. But at the end of the day, you're still dust. At the end of the day, no one of us is better than the other. Because scripture says, God is no respecter of persons. We all have the same problem. All have sinned and come short. Of the glory of God. None of us is righteous. No, not one. So, if you think that you're better than other folk, scripture says you're not. So, you're not an owner and you ain't no better than nobody else. So, then by what right? God asks Jonah, what right do you have to be angry? I want you to notice, Jonah doesn't have an answer to God's question. Read read, read what the text says. What do you have to be angry about? Verse 5, but Jonah just left. He just went out of the city to the east and sat down in a sulk. He put together a makeshift shelter of leafy branches and sat over there in the shade to see what had hap- what would happen to the city okay follow jonah's line of thinking now Jonah goes reluctantly and, 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 and preaches what God tells him to preach. God spares the city. Jonah yells at God for sparing the city, tells God, I'm mad at you because I knew you were going to spare the city and I didn't want you to spare the city. Go so far as to say, if you won't kill them, kill me. God tries to engage Jonah in a conversation, and Jonah, like a petulant child, gets up and walks out while God is still talking to him. Which one of y'all would have had your face slapped if you had walked out on your mama and your daddy while they're still talking to you? You ever try to walk out on a parent while they're still talking to you? How far did your teeth fly when, when, when it happened? Like a petulant child God asked him a question And Jonah just turns around And walks out Now, If you had been God Jonah wouldn't have made two steps Y'all would have pointed And lightning would have fallen from your fingertips And Jonah would have been struck down Right where he was I'm glad God is God and I'm not God. Because if I was God, some stuff would happen different, but I'm glad God is God. God, God let Jonah walk out. God let Jonah go out in a huff and climb himself up on a hill and build this shelter and and, and sit down and fold his arms. Now, I got a question. If God has spared the city, and Jonah's mad because God has spared the city, and Jonah has fussed at God for sparing the city, then why is he sitting outside on a hill watching to see what's gonna happen to the city? Because Jonah wants God to change his mind. Think about that. God's waiting on you to change your mind. And you waiting on God to change his mind. You in a stare down with God. Y'all, y'all, y'all ever do that stare down thing? I, I don't know. Boys do that. I don't know if girls, where you get as close to each other and you just stare to see which one is going to blink first. Jonah gets into a stare down with God. God wants Jonah to change his mind. And Jonah goes and sits out on a hill and says, I want to see if God's going to change his mind. Do I have any Jonas in here? Do I have anybody who, who has walked out on God in a huff and folded your arms and sticking your mouth out? And holding your breath till you turn purple waiting to see if God is going to change his mind. If you're waiting for God to stop loving certain folk, you're going to be waiting for a long time. If you're waiting for God to stop blessing folk that you're mad at just because you're mad at them, you're going to be waiting a while. David had nerve enough to pray to God to not just kill his enemies, but kill all the children of his enemies to the third and fourth generation. Do I have any? I'm not gonna ask if I have any Jones. Do I have any Davids in here? You know, you know, there's there some prayers that David prays that we can pray. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your tender mercy, blot out my transgression. You can pray that prayer. But this prayer that David prays about. Kill all my enemies to the third and fourth generation. Y'all need to leave that prayer where it is. Somebody's sitting down on a hill waiting on God to change his mind. You got your arms folded and you got your mouth poked out and you're saying, I ain't going to move till you change your mind. You're going to be sitting there for a while. cause God ain't going to change his mind. Jonah's sitting out there. He, he's built himself a little shelter to keep The the heat off of him Verse 6 God arranged for A broad leafed tree To spring up It grew over Jonah To cool him off And get him out of his angry sulk Jonah was pleased And enjoyed the shade Life was looking up But then God Sent a worm By dawn of the next day, the worm had bored into the shade tree and it withered away. The sun came up and God sent a hot blistering wind from the east. The sun beat down on Jonah's head and he started to faint. He prayed to die. He keeps on talking about dying. He prayed to die. I'm better off dead. And then God said to Jonah, what right do you have to get angry about this shade tree? Go back up. Look at verse 6. It says God arranged for the tree. Did did, did you see that? God arranged for the tree. Jonah took some leaves and tied them together. Because that's the best that Jonah could do. But God arranged for something better than what Jonah did. Jonah's best effort couldn't compare to what God had provided. Do I have any Jonas in here? Do I have anybody in here who recognizes that God can do better than you can do? That your best effort falls far short of what God is capable of? Of doing are you willing to acknowledge that you might be pretty good but God is better than you are God caused the tree to grow up and the tree had big leaves on it and and, and and the leaves provided him shelter from from the heat of the day and Jonah was sitting under the leaves in the shade and Jonah was enjoying the cool and Jonah was happy with God, Okay, you went from being mad with God to being happy with God, <clears throat> and it had nothing to do with people. It had everything to do with you. Do I have any Jonas in here? When I was a boy in this church, there was a, and I, I know I've told this story before, but I, like I said, I don't know who's in here all the time. There there was one of the associate ministers here in this church who used to pray, and whenever he prayed, he ain't prayed about nobody but him, his wife, and his two children. He had two sons. I would call his name, but he might have relatives still here, so... (laughs) But, 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 but whenever he was called on to pray, he would start off with the Lord's Prayer. And then when he finished misquoting the Lord's Prayer, <laughs> he would start talking about him, his wife, and his two sons. And that's all he ever prayed about. In Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) There are some people who think that the world begins and ends with them. Me and mine. Jonah fusses at God. Jonah yells at God. I would imagine Jonah cussed at God. Scripture doesn't say that, but I'm using my, what do is, what is y'all call it? My divine imagination. I'm, I'm using my divine imagination. Jonah cussed at God about sparing a city of 600,000 people. But he goes and sits up on a hill and a tree grows and he's happy with God because he's out of the sun. Can you see the difference in the magnitude between these two things? 600,000 people are spared and he's mad. A tree grows up and provides him with shade and he's happy. It says, life was looking up. Read what the text says. Jonah decided once the tree grew, life is getting better. Because it's all about him. him. Do I have any Jonas in here? You can't be happy for anybody else. You can only be happy for yourself. God caused the tree to grow up and Jonah got happy with God. But the next day. God caused a worm to get into the root of the tree, and the tree died. And Jonah was left out, exposed into the heat. And Jonah says to God, I'm better off dead. Everything is about him. And God asks him, what right do you have? to get angry about the shade tree. Now listen to how Jonah responds. Jonah said, plenty of right. I got plenty of right. It's made me angry enough to die. God said, what's this? How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a shade tree that you did nothing to get. You neither planted nor watered it. It grew up one night, died the next night. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger i like god i like the way god thinks not that he asked my opinion about how he thinks i'm just letting you know i like the way god thinks because god is not a selfish god god has a far more broad perspective on life than we have God sees things that we don't see. And God responds to things that make no sense to us because we can't see as far as God sees. How many of y'all since November 2016 have asked the question, why did God let that man become president of the United States? All them other people who ran for office, of all of those other folk, why would God let that man become president of the United States? He has not held a single public office, and he went from being a businessman to being president of the United States. Why would God let that happen? Well, once again, let me use my divine imagination. Let me speculate for just a second. I seem to recall that there was a place in the scripture where the children of Israel come to judge Samuel. And they say to Judge Samuel, we don't want no more judges. You're too old and your sons are crooked and corrupt. We don't want no more judges. We want to be like other folks. We've looked around. We've done our research. We've we've sent out research papers to all the surrounding nations. And all the surrounding nations have kings. They have monarchies. And we have decided, we have decided that we want what they have. We, We want a king that we can see. We want a ruler that we can see. God is fine, I know God is up there somewhere, but we don't want God, we want a king that we can see. And Samuel got mad and said, that's not going to happen. That's not what God had intended for you. That's not going to happen at all. You can go back wherever you came from with that because that's not gonna happen. And God yanks Samuel. To the side. And God says, look. Give them what they want. Because they're not rebelling against you. You see, you, you, you got your feelings into this thing. You, you all upset because you think they're, 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 they're upset with you. It ain't you that they're upset with. It's me. It's not you that they're rebelling against. It's me. Remember, they ain't your people. I put you in that spot but they belong to me. So they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. Tell them they can have what they want. They can have a king. But, know this, they're gonna rule the day. They're going to rule the day that they ever asked for a king. What's that got to do with Mr. Trump being president? How many decades Have we heard folks say government should be run like a business? If government government was run like a business, it would be more streamlined, it would be more efficient, it would be more effective if government was run by Okay, well, now you've got a businessman in the White House. A businessman is running the government. Y'all happy? If you're happy and you know it, raise your hand. <laughs> Y'all happy? You got, I, got, I got one hand raised. <laughs> there, there, there were a lot of people who called themselves Christians who prayed. And 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 because Christian folk love God and love their neighbor as themselves. Christian folk don't limit their love just to folk who look like them, think like them, act like them, walk like them, talk like them, live in the same neighborhood as them. Christian folk love everybody. So 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 yeah, and, and that's my point. That that's You're making my point for me. That's why they did this. Y'all wanted a businessman. You got a businessman. Ain't y'all happy? I'm going to tell y'all in public what I've said to to some of my members in private. Because every Sunday they come to my office and they they got him this time, Reb. He he, going to be out of office this time next year. I'm gonna tell y'all what I tell them. Unless there is a health crisis, he's gonna win re-election. Y'all think Kamala Harris is gonna win? No. No. Kamala. No. No. Y'all 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 think Kamala or Kamala gonna win? No. no. Y'all think Cory gonna win? No. Y'all think this Klobuchar woman no. is gonna win? Y'all, 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 y'all think Joe Biden is gonna win? You think Bernie Sanders? Y'all, you already got twelve folk out there. Not one of them is gonna win. Now, there might be somebody who who pops his head up before this thing is over. But let the record show that I'm telling you on. February 13th, 2019, at 7.21, I'm sorry, 7.16 p.m. It's not going to happen. Because I, I believe God is showing us something. And I believe what God is showing us is not, is, not all, is not all that negative. God is showing you that it don't matter who's in the White House. I'm still God. I am a living testimony. I'm speaking for myself now. I am a living testimony. I ain't Mister meal since Donald Trump has been in office. You can look at me and tell I ain't missed a meal since Donald Trump has been in office. I ain't missed no hours of sleep because Donald Trump is in office. My blood pressure has not gone up because Donald Trump is in office. My sugar has not skyrocketed because Donald Trump is in office. I don't know how long the Lord plans on letting me stay here, but I'm confident of this. If I leave here tonight, it won't be because Donald Trump is in office. Because God is bigger than the president. Not just Donald Trump, he was bigger than Barack Obama. He was bigger than George Bush II. He was bigger than Bill Clinton. He was bigger than George Bush one. I'm getting some age on me now. When I was born, John Kennedy was president. He was bigger than Kennedy. He was bigger than Johnson. He was bigger than Nixon. He was bigger than Ford. He was bigger than Carter. He was way bigger than Reagan. He was bigger than Bush one, bigger than Clinton, bigger than Bush two, bigger than Obama, and he's bigger than Trump. I trust in God wherever I may be, out on the land, or on the rolling sea. For come what may, from day to day, my heavenly Father watches over me. Yes, sir? Sure. I honestly believe that God allowed an incompetent, xenophobe, racist, shyster to become president. Just so you'll know, he ain't in charge. I'm in charge. If the government shuts down on Friday morning, God is still in charge. Be still and know that I am God. Well, I got seven minutes left. How does the story end? Because I haven't haven't gotten to the end of the story. Jonah's saying I got to write to be mad and God saying, no, you don't, you didn't plant it, you didn't water it, so so how come I can't change my mind about these people? I want you to notice that when the story ends, Jonah never says, God, you're right, Mm -hmm. and I'm wrong. In fact, the story ends open-ended. There's no conclusion. When I was in school, if I had to write a short story or an essay, you had to have an introduction, you had to have a body in which there was a certain conflict that came up and you had to resolve the conflict and then you had to give a conclusion. If you left out any of those parts, it took away from your grade. Well, based on that, Jonah doesn't get an A because there's no conclusion. There's no resolution. God says, I gotta write and you don't have a right to be mad about what I got a right to. And Jonah doesn't say anything else. That's how it ends. And again, I say that I love the book of Jonah. Because that's the way life is. See, the way they taught me in school, that ain't life. In, 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 in the real world, some conflicts don't have a Resolution. In the real world, some problems don't get solved. Paul hits on it when he says, when I would do good, evil is present on every hand. In other words, I know how to resolve the conflict. I just ain't willing to do what I have to do to resolve the conflict. I know what I should do, and I don't do it. I know what I should not do, and I do it Anyway, I won't resolve the conflict. And I believe that in the church today, I ain't going to point at y'all, that's why I pointed up here instead of at anybody. I believe in the church today that there are a whole lot of folk who will not resolve the conflict. God didn't do what you wanted him to do. He's not doing what you want him to do do and you upset about it. Somebody's going, if you haven't done it yet, somebody's going to stop by the, the convenience store on your way home because the Powerball was up to $274 million. And, and, and you already figured out how you're going to spend that money. And here's the thing, you've been buying Powerball tickets for 20 some odd years now and you ain't won nothing yet. But, but, but you're just waiting on God to resolve that thing for you. And God's going to give you that money. And that's going to be your resolution. And it ain't happened yet. There's no reason. Somebody, somebody in here has been mad with somebody else for 40 years. 45 years, 50 years. And you, you, you've been mad so long that you don't remember what it is that caused you to get mad in the first place. You just know you And if you say, I do remember, trust me, you will have changed that story ten times from what actually happened. Because that's what we do. And you know that you should let go of your anger. People have told you. Scripture has told you. God has come to you while you were praying and told you. And you still won't let it go. You still may. Sometimes there is no happily ever after. There is no resolution. The story ends open-ended. I like the fact that the story ends open-ended because it means that I can put whatever ending on it I want. I can look at this story, and, and, and I can be of a mind to say, Jonah just sat up there and let that heat beat on him until he had heat stroke. And he laid out there and died. Or I could end the story by saying Jonah realized that God was right and he was wrong. And he got his butt up and went on home and spent the rest of his life trying to do what God wanted him to do. You end the story the way you want to end it. Not for Jonah. For you. Ask yourself this question. If the Lord called you tonight, If the Lord said it's time for you to come home tonight, as the old folk would say, is your business fixed? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. Yeah, so so it ain't just me saying it. Scripture says it, and by that definition, the sun been hanging up in the sky for some of y'all for thirty-five years. Sun ain't never gone down because you're still mad, you're still upset, you're still angry. And again, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm at the end, so I can beat it until I'm done. You ain't really angry at the person or the group or the circumstance. You're really angry with God. If you believe that all belongs to God, that everything is in God's hands, that God is in charge, if you believe in the omniscience, the omnipotence, the omnipresence, the immutability of God, if you believe in the efficacy of God then if you're mad at how things are turning out the only person that you can really be mad with is God you mad that God let this thing happen and you don't think that God should have let it happen and God is saying to you what he said to Jonah it ain't your world it's mine and what I do with my world is I don't get I don't have to get approval from you to do it. All I want you to do is trust me. Can you trust God enough to say though he slay me. Yet well I trust him. And if you can't, that ain't a God problem, that's a you problem. You can sit on a hill all you want, fold your arms, poke out your mouth, and wait and see what's gonna happen. I can tell you what's gonna happen. After you pass out, it's still gonna be God's word. There might be somebody here tonight After having been a part of this Bible So everyone except to accept Jesus Christ as his personal Savior We're going to stand together and sing a verse Of Just As I Am And if there is one We invite you to come Just as I am Without one plea But that thy blood Was shed for me and that thou biddest me come To thee, O Lamb of God, I come I Repeat after me, please. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Y'all have a good evening.